All right, Justin and Heather, neither one of you get points this week. In fact, both of you are automatically getting minus one point because <laughs> once again, you guys let me get on my bullshit and pick a movie for us to do an episode on. <laughs> and you enabled me. So you get punished. You or you just get no points. You get minus one points for this. Uh, well, what if me and Justin collaborated and we think nope. you get minus one point for recommending it? Oh, I wasn't done with anything. <laughs> because I am imposing a negative, like a, a two-point penalty against myself for coming up with this idea. Yeah. So, no, I was going to do that myself, Heather, because I am oh, okay. nothing but fair. Yes, that's true. So, comment yeah. disband. Justin and I no longer collaborated on this. Yeah. But no, you guys let me be on that bullshit again. You have no one to blame but yourselves. You guys can't really blame me. I've got a track record of doing this. A track record. In fact, I am almost infamous for this now on this podcast. And you guys, once again, after my pleas and my begging to just not enable me. And you motherfuckers just did it again. I hope you're happy. I hope you just sleep well tonight. I hope you get in bed, you pull the covers up to your chin on your nice little comfy pillow, and you sleep well knowing that you're both monsters of the most evil variety. I mean, Diabolically some, laughing. Do you guys want to sing a song still? Go ahead. Go ahead and sing a song. I don't even care anymore. I don't even care. Let's <laughs> burn this shit to the ground. <laughs> I mean, if we're not going to get points anyway. Go ahead and sing one of your little sing then. songs. One of your little ditties. <laughs> What's a song about being sick? I mean, what? Down with the sickness by Disturbed? <laughs> mm. I mean, or what's that one song where it's like, uh, you give me fever or something? Yeah, fever. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I was thinking um, Waterfalls by TLC. I have no fucking clue what that has to do with anything. It's about a guy who has AIDS. Oh, well, part of the song mm. is. I yeah. mean, I but guess. But it has that in it. It's about a sickness. So, you know. Or you could sing the song AIDS from Team America, which Heather still doesn't know what that means because I doubt she's watched that <laughs> movie yet. Everybody has AIDS, 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 that one. Yeah. <laughs> you just know all the songs. Wow. Because they are a vital part of that fucking movie. I'm sorry. I remember memorable scenes. What about, I mean, do you guys have any of those like fresh, you know, COVID pandemic songs? Because, you know, that's what people really want to hear right now. If you yes, listen to the logic of Songbird. Uh, I got nothing. I got nothing, Chief. Nothing. That's probably the first smart thing you've said since you agreed to do this episode with me. Like, because that wasn't a smart thing. Yeah, why did I let you do this? Why do I let you do you this? You got some sort of agreed to this. You got some sort of fetish for bad movies, and you need to, loved this maybe, idea. Whenever <laughs> after it came this, up. after this, man, I think <laughs> we might need an intervention for you or something, man. I need to have somebody. <laughs> we need to. I need to fly over, and we, we need to have some people that are sane invade your house and sit you down and go, okay, Sterling, look, you got to make better choices in your life. Well, like, Jasmine, we got to have this talk. You just already disqualified yourself because your dumbass agrees to the shit. You can't have sane people come talk to me and then agree to the shit. You're just as sick, if not worse than me. I didn't realize how bad this was, though, Sterling. This is bad. I saw this movie and I went, oh my gosh, there is a real problem here. You know? <laughs> Just wait, Jasmine. you know. It's like it's like when you I think have... your friend is like it's just one, you know. It's just one. Oh, oh, I'm just oh, I'm just you know. I just do marijuana occasionally. Oh, it's not bad, you know. I just do a little cocaine. It's not bad, man. Jasmine, this I'm isn't cool. marijuana. Just one time. This is fucking just heroin one time. shit. And then I find out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I hear one. I I thought 
it was just a little thing, you know, oh, it, oh, he's fine. You know, he's, he's fine. He's taking care of himself. And then I find out you're doing cocaine and meth and everything under the sun. I'm doing that. Now I'm like, oh shit. no. <laughs> now I'm like, oh no, something's got to be done about this. That's how it felt when I, that's how I felt about you when I watched this. Something's got to be done. But Justin, it actually gets worse because I have, I don't want to say behind the scenes information about this movie, but I've got, I've got the direct director in an interview saying why he did this. Oh so, gosh. Yeah. That and, exists. Yeah. Ugh. Oh yeah. It's an LA, LA times article that I have information on that I will, you know, read parts of after we talk about this movie and it gets worse. <laughs> so just buckle up, Justin. Oh boy. Oh my, oh my gosh. No. Great muffins. Oh, Justin, you wish you had some great muffins. You wish <laughs> by the time we are done with this, you'll wish you weren't on keto so you could have all the muffins. You'll wish you had mm. had even some stale rolls at this point because that would be better what? than this. No way. No <laughs> way. Justin. No. Some of the information I will give to you and our audience is like the informational equivalent of moldy stale rolls. Oh, man. And on that note, man. it's time to start this. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And today, we are going to talk about a Hulu-exclusive movie called Songbird. We will talk about what we don't like, and in doing so, we will go (laughs) spoiler-free, recommendations and scores, and then into spoilers. And no, you didn't hear that wrong. I'm about 99.9% sure there's not a single positive fucking thing to say about this movie. So I'm not even going to bother with the rest of that shit. Because there's no likes. There's no everything in between. It's all a bunch of bad shit. So starting us off, spoiler free, is Justin. What are your spoiler free thoughts about this fucking thing we watched? Man. (laughs) Whose idea was it to go... Do you, do, you, do you want me to actually break down why we're doing this first before we get into it? Yeah, like, yeah, let's start with that. Yeah, let's table. get a little backstory in here. Yeah, let's set the table. Get a little backstory here. <laughs> so this fucking movie, Songbird, which I originally thought was directed by Michael Bay, and I'm wrong. It's like an Adam Mason or something like that. Produced by Michael Bay, though. It, you know, it has, you know, stars on it. Or, you know, it has stars of from, you know, past movies and television shows and whatnots. And... This is essentially a movie based in 2023, uh, based on the COVID pandemic. This was completely conceived, written, and filmed during the COVID pandemic. And it is now about how the pandemic has more or less lasted for, according to the movie, 213 weeks. And we are now on COVID-23, which I don't think they actually know how the names happen with that, but it is COVID-23 in the movie. And... The entire country or world or whatever has been locked down the entire time. And if you get the disease, you die within 48 hours. And also, if you get the disease, the government comes and kidnaps you and takes you to quarantine camps or kills you, whichever. And there's like a handful of people that are just immune to it. And they're the only ones allowed to do anything. And every day you have to take a scan 
to see if you're disease-free or virus-free, as it says, which is just a temperature check because that's how diseases work. So, yeah. And then once they're notified, they come and just take you or kill you or whatever the fuck they do. But we decided, like after seeing the trailer for this, or I decided because I thought, I was like, you know, I want to talk about this movie because how fucking ridiculous is it that they were like, oh, let's make a pandemic scare movie during the pandemic and then release it for other people to watch. And I was so naive because it gets worse. And now, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts? Wow. Well, man, I mean, just where to even begin with this movie? I could say that I liked when the credits ended or or when the movie ended and I saw credits, but that would be a lie, too, because the credits just, they kind of suck, too. So, yeah, I literally don't know what positive thing I could say about this. I mean... Uh, so I guess I'm just going to say, whose idea? I mean, why would you do this? Why? Why would you do this? Hey, let's make a COVID movie, but then not say really anything intelligent, meaningful, or thoughtful about it at all. It, it really is. It really just feels like a gimmick to tell what is a love story that just is not compelling and... It's it's just such run-of-the-mill man versus nature. I mean, if you've seen a million man versus nature movies, you, you've kind of seen this, you know? It, it's really, it really doesn't stand out very much from those types of movies. And, I mean, just nothing remotely interesting happens in this. I mean, some of the actors were trying, but, man, this script is just so devoid of any kind of intelligence or sense of wonder or any kind of like tension or anything like that. It's just kind of devoid of it. And then characters are, and people are doing things and it's so hard to invest because you just don't think people would really do this. You don't feel like people really talk like this. It's just one of those, you know, you don't feel like what what is happening in this scenario would actually be happening. And I guess that's like the the biggest flaw of this movie. I guess they thought going in that, oh, people would be able to relate to this because they're going through the, we're going through the pandemic right now. So this is going to really strike a chord with people, but, it, uh, but I'd love to, he- can't wait to hear what you guys think. But to me, it just made it that much more nonsensical because because yes, we are going through this and these things you're talking about are not happening. Nobody is doing these things. Nobody feels this way. Like it, it was just, it, it's it's just too extreme to be believable. And it was just dumb, like all around. And yeah, I'd be happy to get into some specifics when we get there. But yeah. And then on top of that, this was hard to get through. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I fell asleep like two or three times just trying to get through this movie. And then the arduous task of having to rewind back and find my place and then start again to get through this movie was a chore. I mean, it was brutal just to get through one time. So, yeah, that, that that's as generous as I'm going to be tonight. <laughs> Oddly enough, Justin, I do have some answers later to some of your questions. even. Why? I have that answer for you later. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Heather, your turn. Go. Yeah, I mean, if their goal was to make, like, a love story about people who are, you know, trying to be together in the midst of a pandemic, 
there are some other options. <laughs> this is not the one. Um, I mean, you could even watch Love in the Time of Corona. Like that would be a better option, you know, but I, so there's actually this critic on Rotten Tomatoes who kind of said it best. So I'm going to quote him, which is, uh, his name is Randy Myers. And his comment was, this Michael Bay produced travesty exploits the coronavirus epidemic for thrills. That's right, for thrills. <laughs> and I think that that's probably the best way that I've ever kind of heard something like that put, because that's exactly what they're doing. Um, I remember when this first came out, um, or when I had first seen the previews for this one, and I I was just like, hmm, this is interesting because I don't even remember the original release date, but it was in the middle of the pandemic, right? Like it was still when we were on lockdown is when this movie was, I think it was maybe October or something of last year. Well, it, it, I don't it know. came out, yeah, towards the end of 2020. Right. So it was still in the middle of everything, but um, yeah, I was just kind of like, oh, they're going to, they're going to do that. Okay. <laughs> like I, I was thinking that that was a pretty ballsy move. But I don't know. It, it just, it's one of those where I was curious if, if they were going to do anything interesting with it or if they were going to do anything that would make you, I don't know, feel either hopeful or feel anything at all, except the only thing it really makes you feel is like, I mean, I don't even know if it's anger more so than just like, man, the audacity that they had. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then the thing about it, too, is K.J. Appa, who is the the main character in this, you know, he's that guy for me where I always, always have this thought of, you know what, eventually he's going to be good. <laughs> like, I've seen him in Riverdale, and I have so many problems with Riverdale, but that first season of Riverdale, he was great. I, I've seen him do some good stuff in that. I, I think he did a great job as the character, like... I thought he he did a good job. And there are glimpses and moments where I see of, okay, you know what? If you honed in on these aspects a little bit more, you could be good. But he just never quite, he's just barely, he's right under that mark of me feeling like he, he can do a good job. <laughs> like, I keep being like, you know what? Next movie, he's going to be better. Next project he does, he's going to be better. I feel it coming on. And then this movie comes out and I'm like, what is this? And why? And there's nothing about really any of these characters that really makes you, I don't know, like none of them really stand out in any sort of way. I wouldn't say you don't care. There are some of them that you care a little bit more about their storyline, but there's nothing like about this protagonist specifically that you're just like, yeah, man, I'm rooting for you. And it's, yeah, it, it's, he's very, in some ways, a little bit adolescent in this and I don't know. It's just, and maybe it feels that way a little bit because, you know, he's trying to be heroic. He's trying to, you know, do the right thing sometimes, but he just comes across as just being immature about it. So I don't know. And maybe that's just because of what I've seen him in before, but I just, I don't know. It, it's, and then there's, there's so many people in this movie that I am just like, why would you do it? You know, why would you do it? Um, the storyline is, it's not, it's not captivating. Like, it's more of just, like, you're sitting there thinking, what are they going to do with this? Like, are they going to even try to tread lightly on this? Are they going to really, what are they going to do with this? But it never really makes it far without you being like, hmm, this was a mistake. So pretty much throughout the movie, that was 
my feeling. Like every scene that came, I was just like, yeah, this is not getting better. Is that all? For now. Yep. All right. So for me, I, I've got some stuff I need to read while I do this. So uh, first and foremost, when it comes to writer-director Adam Moore, I'd like to say, fuck you, Adam Moore. And then there was his writing partner on this, uh, Simon Boyce. Fuck you, Simon Boyce. <laughs> and then we get into the cast, all right? So you have uh, K.J. Appa. Fuck you, K.J. Appa. Then you have Sophia Carson, which I get it, Sophia. You were on Disney's Descendants. You're trying to transition into more adult roles and all that other stuff, but uh, fuck you. And then there's Craig Robinson, Daryl from The Office, Doug Judy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Fuck you, Craig Robinson. Oh, no. And then we get to my oh, boy, Darryl. Bradley Whitford. Everybody knows him as the bad guy from Billy Madison. He was in Westworld, was in Godzilla King of Monsters, played uh, uh, the dad in Get Out. Everybody loves Bradley Whitford. He's a delightful per person. Also plays uh, Captain Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Jake Peralta's dad. Uh, fuck you, Bradley Whitford. Then we have Peter Stormare, or uh, Stromare, or how the fuck you say his name. Played the devil in Constantine, which I thought he was a delightful version of the devil. Uh, you know, he just plays a bad Russian guy in like all these other movies and all this other stuff. And uh, fuck you, Peter. And then we get to uh, Alexandra Daddario, a very beautiful woman. She was in, uh, oh, what is that? True Detective. She was in Baywatch. She was in the Percy Jackson movies. Fuck you, too. American Horror Story. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck her. You have Paul Walter Hauser. Was also in that Richard Jewell movie. You know, could have had a promising career. But nope, fuck him too. Then you get uh, Demi Moore. You know, she hadn't done no, anything in a no, while. Not Demi, no. Fuck her too. Oh. <laughs> That's where you drew the line, Justin. <laughs> have you seen Basic Instinct, Heather? Um, no. Or not Basic Instinct, Disclosure. Have you seen any of the, like, super Demi Moore stuff? No? I've seen her in some things, but not that. No, I haven't seen that. I've seen her in Ghost. I've seen her in Now and Then, uh, G.I. Jane. That's what I've seen her in. Okay, I was about to say, you better have seen Ghost. Okay, well, anyway. Oh, yeah. Carry on, Sterling. I just, that just makes me sad. I like Demi Moore. Just in case somebody forgot, fuck Demi Moore. <laughs> I'm not really going to blame anybody else, because everybody else was kind of bit parts and actors and extras and all this other stuff. I get it. Tough time to break into. You got to do what you got to do. These other people should know better. Fuck all them. Now to the producers. We have Michael Bay. Fuck him. Simon Boys. Well, like I said, also wrote this. Fuck him again. Marcia Brown. I don't know who the fuck that is. Fuck them. Samuel J. Brown. Don't know who the fuck that is. Fuck him, though, too. Uh, some guy named Jason Clark. Fuck Jason Clark. Uh, Eben Davidson. I don't know what you do. Fuck you. <laughs> Adam Fogelson. Don't know who, who that is, but they can fuck right off also. Adam Goodman. <laughs> Used to run Paramount. Fuck himself. <laughs> Just running down the whole list, huh? Yeah. Michael Case. Don't know who you are, but you're an executive producer on this movie. Fuck you. Austin Kilgore. Sounds like a name of a person they can fuck right off. Adam Mason. Who would have known? Again, once again, fuck him. Three times. Just right over. Robert Simmons. I don't know. He looks really stupid in his IMDb pick. He looks like uh, ex-Cowboys coach Jason Garrett going to a funeral. He can fuck off. Uh, there's wow. Cameron Serlitz. She can fuck off. Jeanette Volturno. Actually kind of a cool last name. Not a cool person. She can fuck off. Mac Votolato. Don't know who that is. They can fuck off also. And finally, John Wiseman, who is the post-production consultant slash producer of this movie. And since that person didn't go, hey, 
just don't ever release this. It's dumb. They can fuck off five times. All right, uh, recommendations and scores? Okay. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Uh, no, I definitely don't recommend it. There's not really any reason that someone should want to watch this. Um, I don't really know beyond that what to say other than just don't waste your time with it. Um, my score, ugh, I'm going to give it five, like, what is the title Songbird supposed to mean in this movie out of a hundred. All right, Justin, go. Man, we need a new soundbite for moments like this where we can just go, we do not recommend, recommend this, this movie, <laughs> movie, and then just move on. I wish we didn't have to do this section for this. No, 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 no. You should not recommend, you should not watch this. I will not recommend it. I won't recommend this anywhere. I will not recommend it in a house. I will not recommend it in a, with a mouse. I will not recommend it here or there. I will not recommend it anywhere. Yeah. There's some <laughs> there's some non-recommends for you. And the score is just going to be no because, I mean, what was this? So, yeah, my score is no out of 100, whatever that means. All right. Uh, spoilers? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Spoilers. <laughs> I don't know why you had to go on that whole thing of that we have to do this section, Justin. You could have just not. No one's No one's forcing you to do that, dude. So... Sorry, this movie has me disoriented, and I'm just not thinking very clearly. Or maybe I am. You know what? Maybe I'm thinking more clear than I ever have in my life. So, are you just like, <laughs> who knows? Are you thinking we'll like see. ultra clear now? <laughs> yes, the rain is gone and whatnot. Um, like first and foremost, this movie almost fucks up literally from the second line of the entire movie. Uh, this movie takes place in the year 2023, and one of the just lines at the beginning of this movie where, you know, it does one of those whole, like almost like eighties, nineties things like disaster movie thing where it's just a bunch of news reports happening all at once. Yeah. And one of the people says they are on the 213th week of lockdown. Mm. All right. So let's actually That's not go. the line I thought you were talking about. Yeah. So let's go into the whole thing where, uh, when lockdown started, most lockdowns in this country started around March 26th of 2020. If you go 213 weeks from that date, it roughly puts you at around May 1st, May 2nd-ish, whatever, of the year 2024. So this movie couldn't even take place in the year it says it does because of that. <laughs> um, for anybody that doesn't know, COVID strains and most disease strains in general, but just specifically, well, let's talk about COVID. They aren't named after like a sequential order of diseases or anything like that. COVID-19 is not the 19th variant of this disease. It's just named after the year in which it was actually discovered. COVID-19 was technically first found in China in the year 2019. So if this outbreak was taking the whole time and all this other stuff, uh, it'd still be COVID-19. It wouldn't be COVID-23, you know, because even mutations of this wouldn't get a new disease designation. They might get strain designations, but they wouldn't necessarily just do a new disease designation on it. It wouldn't just become COVID-23. Not really how it works, but whatever. So next problem with this movie says this strain of COVID kills you in 48 hours and it's super contagious. And you just spread it all over the place. Big problem with that. Reason why COVID is so dangerous is because it is a long incubation time. It doesn't necessarily kill you in 14 days or anything like that. It's a very long time frame. That's actually ideal for viruses because if you have the virus longer and you're alive, especially airborne communicable, uh, communicable diseases, they uh, spread like that. That's how they spread. So they actually want to keep you alive longer so they can spread. Uh, 
so like respiratory diseases like this and all this other stuff that rely on you breathing to spread them doesn't really work if you stop breathing within two days especially in such extreme isolation conditions this disease would actually die out very fast because there would be no way for it to actually transmit people would die too fast and uh couldn't go anywhere so that's its big problem you know it's the same reason why ebola is never really a super spreader like ebola kills people like typically within like what 72 hours of getting it it's a very fast disease so uh yeah you don't really get around a lot of people one reason why it does have some problems in places like africa and stuff like that is because some of the local traditions that people don't get rid of somebody dies of ebola and one in certain uh places like with certain african tribes and cities and cultures they kiss the corpse of dead people well that is a problem with ebola because ebola is in uh, the bodily fluids and i don't know if people know this but ebola makes you bleed everywhere out of every orifice and pore and everything you got so that disease is just right there so you everybody walks around kissing the corpse yeah it can still spread but you know what can't airborne diseases why because that dead person's not breathing so most people don't actually most like epidemiologists and immunologists and pandemic specialists and stuff like that don't ever actually they're not really afraid of ebola because like i said it kills too fast killing too fast means it's a lot harder to actually make it spread in a mass circumstance now you can have like one big super spreader event yes and that's bad but it's not going to actually just start getting to like a community level pandemic like just spreading across the entire country when people are dying that fast and like that's that's the problem with this whole idea with this covid kills people too fast it wouldn't actually spread even if it is airborne it just doesn't actually work like that so also it's just kind of some fear-mongering bullshit with this um also i love in this movie that like the pandemic's so bad that craig robinson can just start a business and outdo amazon at this point right like jeff motherfucking bezos wouldn't figure out a way to fucking do that shit come on come on (laughs) ain't nothing (laughs) maybe they were trying to pretend like they were amazon but amazon wanted nothing to do with this project so they wouldn't allow them to use the name. Then you would call yourself something like Sahara or something, <laughs> you know, like you'd give yourself some geographical name or some bullshit and be like that. It wouldn't be Larry's get shit or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, so in this movie, there are people that are immune to this. They're called immunies because, you know, that's a thing. And you get like a little yellow bracelet that looks like a kid's watch you got at a birthday party in like fifth grade. <laughs> and... You know, people can scan it and they go, oh, you're immune and all this other shit. And those are the only people that can do anything. But also, apparently, there's counterfeit those running around. Like, is there not like a, hey, this person was issued this bracelet on this date type of thing? Like, how are these people that are doing that all tied into the government database for it? Yeah. Like, really? Right. They can just get on and do it. No problem. Um, I mean, oh, I really like how things just kind of like kept going. Like all these, there's like all these services and stuff that are still like chugging along even though everything's under such strict quarantine, like you do realize if you were under that strictest stuff, internet would be an issue. Power would be an issue. Water would be an issue. Gas would be an issue. There would be Mm -hmm. shortages on a lot of that shit. It wouldn't just be so easy to do because like everyone is just, that's just not how it works. And I know this because I went through all this when this stuff actually happened. I mean, and then it's like the department of sanitation now is the one that's like going to kill you. I'm like, really? They just had to go that route of like, oh, they just end up considering you trash now. Like, really? Like, it's the most heavy-handed bullshit ever. I mean, this movie posits that, like, what? I guess the government just gives everybody sanitization mailboxes and all this shit. Like, it's just mm-hmm. really miraculous, this world that just appears. Four years when nobody's actually able to do anything. Like, Bradley Woodford at one point's like, oh, I have to do this illegalness to keep a roof over our heads. But, like, everything is shut down. 
Like, <laughs> the financial system at that point would be in ruins. No bank's going to be able to come quarantine your home, like, or take away your home. You're forced to quarantine there. You're not even allowed to leave right. your house. The bank can't come take it. <laughs> like, especially in a state like California, <laughs> you've got squatters' rights in a state like that. They can't kick you out <laughs> because you can't leave. That's the like flip side of it. You get squatters' rights because you don't leave, and the government won't let you leave. So nobody's going to come take your house. But like, and it's just a thing that like this guy KJ Apa's character can just roll up on government checkpoints. And then they pull their guns out. And he's like, oh, no, I'm immune by a bracelet. And then they go, oh, just let him by. And it's like, that's not how that would work at all. Like, at one point in this movie, he literally rolls up to a government detention center at the drop-off point that is militarized. And they don't shoot him when he just rushes up there. Bullshit. I call fucking bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Because they would just fucking murder him. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, especially if the government was, like, that harsh about, if you step outside, we shoot you, they definitely would have done it there. Well, that's the other thing, too, with it. Like, at one point, they're like, if you go outside, we will execute you. But then, like, there's no cops around half the damn time. Like, there's just no one around, you know? So you could actually go out and do some shit and then just come back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this movie plays on just such base-level bullshit conspiracy-ass theory fears that are out there. Oh, the government's locking us down so they control it. They're trying to set up death camps. They're going to kill us if we don't comply with them. They're going to do this and that and this and that and all this other bullshit, which is all the bullshit that people were saying at the beginning of the pandemic. This movie goes, let's make that real four years in the future. <laughs> yep, exactly. And then you read the backstory of some of this stuff. And they're talking about how this was filmed during the pandemic. So they came up with all these strict protocols and ppe gear and all this other bullshit in order to make this movie yet so much of this movie flies in the face of that idea like at one point in the movie kj appa is making fun of people wearing masks but then uh, like that was annoying yeah and like mocking people for wearing masks alexandra daddario's character at one point wears like a sexy lace mask that's just completely full of holes and useless <laughs> right like this movie just throws a bunch of shit out there with no care or thought like there are people that are immune to this. And then you find out later in the movie, another character is immune. And like, why wouldn't she test it for that shit before? Who does these immunity tests? Like, how do you find out you're immune to it? Why didn't she already know it? Like, fuck, it's dumb. That was so stupid. All of that happened. And then it was like, she's immune to it. And I went, well, I mean, what was the point of all of this then? If that was, if she was immune, then... That whole, so that whole relationship is just dumb once you got to that realization. You know, it was just so stupid. I was just sitting there going, so this whole time she was immune? So all of the, we can't see each other, all that stuff. It's like, why wasn't there a test for that? I mean, if there, if you had gotten so advanced to where your phone could tell you in seconds whether or not you have the disease or not just by you looking at it, and you mean to tell me they can't tell who who's immune? You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. But anyway, sorry to interrupt, Sterling. No, no, that's a valid point. But like also, I love how this movie more or less acts like if you're not immune to it, this virus acts 100% the same in every person ever that gets it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. There is asymptomatic transition. There are people that aren't immune but don't show symptoms either way. Like that is a possibility. There's no virus that exhibits 100% the same behavior every single time. 
Like, that's just not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, a grandmother isn't going to survive two days. Like, a bodybuilder might not be able to make it three. Like, come on. It's just not really how things work. I'm not saying the bodybuilder wouldn't die. But I'm just saying it would act differently in his body because his immune system would be healthier. Like, there's just so many things with this. And, like, also, at the end of this movie, he just gives her the bracelet. And everybody goes, oh, I guess she had one the whole time, even though we did not see it at all right. ever. <laughs> and then they go, well, she's immune. Let's they're just let her go. Chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they like, they're like, oh, oh, right. she's immune. Just let her go. But then like, I guess apparently when they said that, they also meant, oh, she's also immune to the murder charges of the guy she killed back at her apartment too. <laughs> That's so true. Oh, <laughs> ah, and they just I let forgot her about go. that man. Exactly. This story forgot about that man. She murdered a man. And then they go, she's immune. And then, like, why did they they have a deleted scene where some guy goes, yeah, but didn't she murder Bob? And they go, I said she's fucking immune. Yeah, but the weird thing is, too, if you think about, like, this world they've created when, like, literally they will kill you for stepping outside. Like, what are really the rules of killing people in that world? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what are the, like, rules? Like, if somebody coughs, do you get to murder them? And if it turns out they just had a cold, you were like, I, I, I thought they had it. I couldn't risk it. Killed them. Like, they were just talking about at one point in the movie just going up to car dealerships and stealing cars because of all the gasoline that's still at places. Because, you know, the gas trunks trucks still roll out to fill up gas stations because nobody's driving. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's utter mayhem out there. Like, he's, like, you can just go to a car dealership and take a car because nobody can stop you. But yet, you still have to pay your mortgage. And, like, people are just driving down the street with, like, respirator masks on and all this other bullshit. And, like, dude, do they not get pulled over? Is it not just weird? Like, are there just no cops in this movie? Because I don't think I ever saw a cop in this movie. You saw, like, the Department of Sanitation, like, military people, but no cops. Tons of cop cars. Just no cops, though. (laughs) Like, it's just a fucking hodgepodgery of just, like... (laughs) Every worst fear everybody had at the beginning of the pandemic. And they went, people need to see this. Now, I guess this is as good a time as any to get into some of these things real quick. I was going to wait till later, but fuck it. This movie doesn't care. Why should I care? So this director sat down with the LA Times. And he was talking about how he had just started directing a movie, like, or was in pre-production for this, like, passion project movie of his with Blumhouse, right? was like five days into pre-production when the whole coronavirus shutdown started, right? So everything was shut down and he was scared. He's like, nobody knew what was going on and all this other stuff, which was true. The beginning of this pandemic was super crazy for everybody. And then his writing partner slash, you know, everything like Simon Bowie was just like, hey, let's film things like we used to all ninja style and stuff. And so they wrote this story about this and all this other stuff. And apparently this director was surprised that there was negative backlash to the idea of his film because he said, yeah, I read that article too. Yeah. He said he thought audiences would find it cathartic to watch people in a movie going through the same things they are and was just completely surprised that people thought the idea of this movie was bad. At one point, (laughs) I think he even says it's the most good natured and like hopeful movie he's ever made. And then I'm sitting here thinking, wait, did I watch the right songbird? Cause that's not what this fucking movie was at all. And, like, that's why I think I'm so disappointed in some of these people in this movie. Because they sat down and they read this script and listened to this man. And they went, yeah, catharsis, hope, that's what this movie is. 
And I'm like, how the fuck do you read this script and get those thoughts? Because not a single one yeah. of those like types of things came across in this movie at all. Nope. It is just bleak and terrible and utterly hopeless. Like, it's even cynical about it. This isn't, this doesn't feel like a movie of somebody that was afraid of the pandemic. This is, this movie is a movie that comes off as you're afraid that the pandemic's not real and the government's just trying to steal your rights. That's what this movie comes off as. And then, like, I guess I could see at the end of the movie where they're like, see, love prevails and they can go off and do all this other stuff. KJ Appa's character sends Larry or whatever the fuck his name. I don't even remember this guy's name anymore. Craig Robinson's character. Let's just call him Daryl. He sends Daryl one of the bracelets that's an immunity bracelet. A, that doesn't make him immune. So that guy can still go out, get the disease and die in two days. <laughs> and also, they only had two of those. What are they going to do when they go somewhere and they go, hey, she, he or she doesn't have a, an immunity bracelet. Quarantine them. Like, you're fucked. Like, that's just not how it would work. It wouldn't be up to just solely the city government to do stuff. Like, it wouldn't be like, nope, it's just LA that's like this. No one else is. That's not how something on this scale would work. There'd be so much state and federal gov government involvement in that. If your city was literally so bad that you had to have government death camps, they wouldn't be ran by the city. And just as long as you got outside the city, all of a sudden everything's like free. Like once you ex escape that one area, all of a sudden there's no more disease and the birds are singing and it's like fucking Wizard of Oz when she goes to like, all of a sudden it's color TV again and shit. Like, come on. <laughs> what the fuck is this movie? Like no one in this movie made a good decision at all. Nothing about this is a good decision. Like it's just the most neurotic fucking thing I think I've ever seen filmed. Like this movie makes Thanksgiving look like it's fucking Citizen Kane. <laughs> I mean, this movie makes Rambo, the last Rambo, or whatever the fuck that movie was called, look like a not racist movie. Because this movie is just <laughs> utterly fucking bonkers ass terrible. Like, there is legitimately not a redeeming fucking quality in this movie. Like, in the slightest. It is the base level equivalent of just rotting dog shit somebody else fucking talk fuck this movie i mean and i i was also like i was reading an article about how like the um the guy was saying you know he was just surprised at the, the backlash he was getting and everything but also i mean this movie was made in 17 days and it definitely felt like it <laughs> um apparently oh, really? like yeah, the script kept getting, like, reworked and rewritten, and, like, people were still being onboarded, like, even just, like, days before. Um, someone, I can't remember who it is, um, they were basically, they, they jumped on board the project, like, literally the day before they started shooting it. Um, so it's, it's just one of those where when you try to put it together like this, you're trying to put it together in the middle of an actual pandemic about a pandemic. And it just felt like you didn't even try, you know, like it just, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from it at least because like, I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of defeating the purpose. Like if you want this to be something that is meaningful in some way or hopeful in some way, you know, like you, you got to have a better plan than that. If you're going to tackle this very fresh subject you got to have a little bit better of a plan than that. 
So yeah, it, it just, it's one of those where you could tell it was very quickly put together and, you know, they were on a time crunch or they were just, I don't know, they were like, we just want to get it done. I have no idea, but it's, it, it just felt that way. It felt like that's what they did with it. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on something Sterling talked about when he mentioned um, KJ Appa's character, Nico. He is, you know, he's got the immunity bracelet and, you know, he's able to kind of be out and then, you know, do his job and all this stuff. And he does like walk through a crowd of people wearing like these gas masks and he's, he legit is like heckling them almost. It felt like he was not really heckling them, but you just like, he was basically in a sense making fun of them for wearing masks. You know, he was just like, oh yeah, keep your masks on. Almost as if he was saying like, ha ha, you're not immune and I am. I'm like, why is this even a good idea to put in your movie? And why is this a good idea to have your protagonist be the person doing this? You know what I mean? Like, if it maybe was the villain, it would make more sense. But it's just like things like that in this movie, very subtle things that make you not root for uh, the main character. And I think that's a little bit what I mean about like the immaturity of it or just the way he handled some things was if he was just like trying to be more of a hero than he could actually be about some things. And yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of a lot of how they did some of these things really bothered me. But, um, and I could totally tell that like they were just looking for opportunities to have him like take off his shirt. <laughs> just like, okay. Like <laughs> they, there was literally no need for it, but they did it like at least two or three times. And I'm like, all right, we get it, guys. He's got abs. We understand. But like it was just like, you know, I don't know. I feel like he's becoming that guy that they're just like, let's put somebody who's got a really good body in our movie so he can take off his shirt and it'll be better. I feel like that's what they did with Channing Tatum for a while. That's what they did with Ryan Reynolds for a while. And they just wanted him to like, Zach like yeah, you're, yeah, Zach Efron even. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, you're, you're hot, right? So um, take off your shirt and people will want to come see this movie. And that's not really how things work anymore for the most part. Especially not a movie like this. That's definitely not what it's about. So it's, yeah, it just was their choices they made in what they did in this movie were just, there was not a good choice in the bunch, like at all. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like, and, and I mean, almost too, I feel like the, um, the daughter in this movie was almost a non-factor, if you think about it, because they made it seem like a big reason that they were being so protective and all these things, um, Demi Moore and Bradley Whitford's daughter is because, you know, she had immune issues and like she, you know, was sick and they made it seem like this is the reason they do all these things. But really, like, I feel like everything would have played out the same way if she wasn't even a part of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like she was just there to add that piece to this like family who's doing these illegal things. But like, they could have not had her in the movie and it would have been the same movie, honestly. So, um, I don't know. I just, I, I agree. I think that so many people that I like really enjoy in other movies, it's really hard to enjoy them in this. And yeah, the scene where like Bradley Whitford is just like <laughs> basically not giving, um, Alexandra Daddario the option to like keep her mask on and stuff. Like just really, uh, he was so creepy. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it was just a very odd situation and, but it just felt like most of the chemistry of the people was not great in general. 
Um, I've seen worse, but none of it makes you feel like, oh, these are people who are actually a couple. These are people who are actually together, actually in love or whatever. Um, I do think, what is her name? Allison Carson? Was that her name? The, the main girl? It's not Allison, but I've refused to look her up again. So Sophia Carson, I think that's her name. Whatever her name is. She honestly, for me, she might've been the most believable person in the movie. Um, which is strange because there's a lot of good and entertaining people in this movie, but I just feel like what her character was supposed to be, she played that character well enough for me to not feel like she was making the movie worse. (laughs) Not that that would take much, but I just feel like she was a little bit more, um, like raw and like the emotions she was showing. And I felt like her storyline just in general was a little bit more intriguing than some of the other ones, but not to say that she was amazing, not to say that anything about this movie was amazing, but she was the thing I least disliked about this movie probably. So, um, but yeah, and I just, that's the, the part at the end, you know, when they're like, again, like he's on that military base and all this stuff. And that scene was so ridiculous too. And then they, they decide, you know, oh, she's good to go. She has a bracelet. And then they just stand there and, like, let them, you know, hug each other and kiss and make out, like, just chilling, like, no problems. Like, <laughs> I, I just feel like it was such an anticlimactic moment of, you know, she might get shot because she's trying to run to this guy and, like, he's trying to give her the bracelet and they're going to both die. And then it doesn't happen. And then they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. She's got, um, she's got a bracelet. She's good. Cool. All right. Let her go. The end. And then it just acts like they're not a military base after that. Like they're just like, oh, okay, let's just stand there and watch them, you know, have a moment <laughs> as if like, we don't have other things to do. Like, I'd be like, dudes, get off my base <laughs> get out of here. You know, you've taken up enough of our time. Just stop. You know, it was just very extra, all of it. Um, and then I don't think the guy who played the bad guy, I just... He was not, I don't know. He, he was just really not a good villain. Like there, some of the things he did, I was like, okay, obviously he's playing a good villain, but just like he was trying too hard. Like the actor was trying too hard. And I just feel like it it shouldn't be that hard to (laughs) play a bad guy, you know, when you've done it before and other stuff too. But it's just, it just speaks to how not well put together the script or the movie or the performances were. And it's like, again, I guess that's my biggest complaint is if you're going to tackle this subject matter and you want to release it in the middle of something and if supposedly, you know, his point in it was to, to have, to make people feel cathartic or whatever, put more effort, like act like you actually care about anything happening in this movie. That's honestly, I think my biggest complaint is like, it felt uninspired. So that, I mean, other than what you've already kind of mentioned, and I actually thought at the beginning, Sterling, you were going to talk about the line they said about, um, remember, remember back when fake news was the big deal or whatever it was they said about fake news at the beginning. I thought that's the line that you were talking about where you said that they, they already kind of set the tone with it at the beginning. But, um, I just thought that that was like a weird thing to put in it. But, um, anyways, yeah, I just, it's, it's uninspired and you can tell all around that. It was not, there was not a lot of thought behind most of what they did with this movie. I just have a quick thought before you go, Justin. Okay. So at the end of the movie, wouldn't it have been great if he did all that shit to get her a bracelet and they start driving down the road 
and then she dies of it because she's not actually immune. So just putting that bracelet on her just actually risked her life. That'd have been great. All right, Justin, go. <laughs> no, everything that everyone has said thus far really is all accurate stuff. And yeah, I got the same sense too. Um, of the of sort of the things that Sterling was talking about that really this was just a big smorgasbord of just a lot of those just over the top fears and things that people would say about the pandemic when it first came out. And if you were really trying to tell a thought provoking kind of hopeful and poignant story, maybe you start with those things, but then maybe by the end we should feel something more real. You know, that there, there maybe there there are some truths you could have told, or maybe there are some perspectives you could have provided. If you were really trying to do this, there, there you should have been trying to say something by the time this movie ended. And I mean, I guess you could say in the end it, it was just about love prevailing or something like that. But I mean, but it was like they didn't try to say anything meaningful or intelligent about the virus or what people go through or the mindset of people, nothing like that. So, yeah, I just I'm in agreement with everything that you guys said just about how it just seems so completely uninspired because you just didn't feel that they were really trying to convey any realistic ideas or something that could just make you think about your situation or what you're in. And if you think that just simply mentioning it and it being on the screen and having some characters in a love story scenario where they can't see each other because of this, if you thought that that was going <laughs> to, to me be, if that was going to present or emote in me some sort of relatability or understanding or catharsis because I'm watching this, then I mean that direct, I mean, he just had the complete wrong idea. He just completely missed the mark almost embarrassingly. So, I mean, when you watch this and some of the decisions that some of the characters were making, like, like, like you guys have commented a lot on, um, on Peter's character, the the Harlan character. And I just, okay, I get that this is a bad guy, but yeah, I get why, Heather, you must have thought that he was trying too hard because all I kept thinking is, okay, I'm not, why is this person evil? L like, you just really didn't get a sense of it other than he was like, you know, I started from the bottom and now I'm here. You know, he kind of said something about, Oh, I'm a powerful man now, but so that's it. You just, <laughs> you rose in power because you were um, immune cool. <laughs> and that's it. That's all it took to become this evil person. And then like some of his methods, like, okay, why is he showing up with these, <laughs> with these hazmat suited, like military people to apprehend? I mean, wouldn't you be better tasked doing something else wouldn't you be kind of organizing where these men went and stuff like that? Or hell, if you're going to go, if you're that kind of evil, like you're like, oh, I'm so evil. I just have to be there firsthand to do some of the apprehending. Why wouldn't you bring more men? Like you would just think if this job was like, okay, you're going to be going and you're going to be apprehending people. They're, they're going to show restraint sometimes. You may have to shoot them or kill them sometimes. Sometimes they're going to try to kill you. 
you know, this is serious stuff and we're going to have to take them and put them in these camps or whatever. You would just think that there would be more people involved in an apprehension like this. Like if you're going and then these people would have to be handled with so much care, especially if you're, uh, you know, a scientist, an, an officer, a military member of the government, and you're not immune. Like, it, it, I just feel like it would be such, you know, this would be such, um, this would be a much more organized process and way of doing this if if you had to apprehend people who had a virus that kills in 48 hours and you had officers and military members and government members who weren't immune, you would just, I mean, you wouldn't go into some house with just you and two men and trying to apprehend people. And then on top of that, this Harlan guy, he didn't really seem to have any skills. He, it wasn't like he was a great martial artist or was, you know, well-versed in military weaponry or something like that. He just seemed unsuited to be doing what he was doing other than, oh, I enjoyed this because I'm bad. And, and that's all I could really draw from it. But it seemed but it seemed stupid that a person of his position would be going on these raids, on these raid missions to capture people. It just didn't seem like something a person in that position would be doing. But that but that's just me, you know. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then just other things like, um, <laughs> like, I mean, and one thing I will say about, um, Craig, <laughs> Craig Robinson's character, I, I will give Craig Robinson this. He, this was probably the easiest role ever for him to play. And I'm sure that this was just easy money for him. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure he read that script and went, so basically I'm going to sit in the same room for just about every scene. And all I got to do is be happy sometimes, be mad sometimes when um, <laughs> when uh, KJ doesn't do what I want him to do. And then just be <laughs> yeah. relieved at the end whenever he's whenever he makes it with his he makes it with his girlfriend and everything. And all I got to do is sit in one room and just look at one screen and say things. Uh, yeah, I'll take that paycheck. I mean, I mean, what else did that man right. do besides that? What did he do <laughs> besides that? So that that must have been a very uh, easy payday for him. So at least he got an easy uh, paycheck out of that. I mean, I might have taken also, that role. I also just don't understand how that was like his best courier when literally every time he was tracking him, he was like nowhere near where he was supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah. Or he was late all the time or, you know, he was even, he would even say, oh, I'm late to deliver this package and things like that. But he's the best. Oh, I get it. He's the best because he's the main character. We got it, movie. We got it. He's got the best abs. He's got the best girlfriend, the, the most attractive girlfriend. And he's the best carrier, too. And he's immune. And he doesn't like math. Right. Got it. This guy's just perfect, man, in every way. <laughs> Noted. Um, yes. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, like he broke into Demi Moore's house, right? And so earlier in the film, Piper, we'll call her by our character name, Piper Griffin, broke into her house to get this, um, to get these immunity bracelets or whatever. So earlier in the film, when he just was politely 
asking and trying to get intel on it and trying to get tips on it. She basically gave him a number and set him up to be captured or killed or whatever the case may be earlier in the movie. And so it was just weird how in this situation now where he's broken in and he is in your house, you care so much about your daughter. He just kind of is like, please let me have him. And she's like, okay, top shelf. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, just stuff kept happening, man. Like, it's doing it for love. Yeah. Yeah. Like, please do this in the name of love. Please give me the bracelets in the name of love. And she was like, I loved once. Here, you can have them. And why come everybody was just helping this guy? Like, what about when he was, when when he was almost uh, captured by the Harlan character? And then a guy out of nowhere saves him. And he's like, why did you save me? And he's like, man, I'm just, I hate the smell of death or something he said. (laughs) That was the explanation. I hate the smell of death. And that's why I'm helping you. And I was like, what? I didn't understand. (laughs) I was just going, wait a minute. I hate the smell of death. So I'm going to kill all these other people as long as it's not the smell of your death. Exactly. was essentially how it played out. Yes. And so I was so confused. I was like, wait, what? You don't like the smell of death, but you're going to stay behind and fight. And he was like, go on, man. I'm rooting for you. Yeah, let me go ahead and get killed real quick. And I was like, okay, like, I get it. Yes, there is usually a character that sacrifices themselves for the protagonist. But damn, usually they have some kind of relationship or... It's a brother or sister or they're a lifelong friend or something. Normally, it's at least a little more heartfelt than that. But damn, this dude just came out of nowhere and was like, I don't like the smell of your death, fool. Let me kill, Let me sacrifice myself for you real quick, man. So I was like. <laughs> just real quick. <laughs> yeah, just real quick, man. Let me get in here. Let me eat these bullets real quick for you. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Just go get your girl who's immune anyway. So really I didn't have to lose my life, but (laughs) so yeah, like, but that, that was just, I mean, and there was just so much stuff like this where that's honestly how I felt. I was just sitting there. I was confused. I was like, okay, why would this character do this? No, just like, and Sterling, I have the same thought when he said, oh, you can pick up any car and all this stuff. I was like, well, what about gas? Who's operating that? Like, what? what where would you go? Where can you go where this is not happening? <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, I'm just getting out of here. It's like, but if it's the world, then like, it's going to be the same thing anywhere else you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the difference is, I guess a difference is, is now you got you and your girl, y'all could go through it together. But that really wasn't the point of what happened. And maybe that would have been a more poignant way to end this if not everything was solved and not everything was going away. But they're like, you know what? As long as we have each other and as long as we can you know, we, we, we stick together and have each other's back. We can get through this pandemic together and see if you had a better writer and I don't know, a director with a a vision, because I mean, this director might as well have been blind given the vision of this movie. But you know, if you had really been trying to encourage or motivate or inspire your audience, wouldn't, don't you think that might've been a good message to end on? I mean, I just, you know, 
And, and I just thought of that in mere moments. Like it did, it doesn't even take a rocket scientist to try to do this and, and deliver some messages that people could actually stand to hear and use because ultimately that's what we have as each other. So why not try to put that in there somehow? It's not about going somewhere where the pandemic isn't. It's about, you know, I would think it's more about living and coping and being with people that you care about through the pandemic, you know? But this director, I mean, nobody told them that. Nobody that read the script thought about that. All these producers and people that Sterling said fuck you to, none of them thought about that. None of them. So anyway, yeah, that's about it for me. It's also kind of weird too, like if like when um when KJ's character, you know, he gets he finally gets to his girlfriend's house and the villain is there, you know, when he kills him and stuff, it doesn't he see like some kind of um note or something on her phone, right? Like he sees her phone and she had like given some kind of instruction on where to find her. But I'm also just kind of like she took if it a was... picture of the van that she was that came to pick her up and it had the identifier okay. number on it, is what it was. But I just feel like if you're going to do to that length, you probably could have just sent a text to be like, dude, they're taking me right now. Here's the thing. Like, here's the here's the picture of where I'm going. She could have sent some kind of text too. you know. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a big leap in logic of, well, I hope he finds my phone. Yeah. It's like clearly just explain what this picture is like, (laughs) you know, if you really want to break down the logical inconsistencies in this movie, though, I think it's the best summed up in in the movie. Nico's character can be GPS tracked by Larry at any point in the movie, except randomly at one point because they need to show that that one guy has drones and that he's friends with Larry. So all of a sudden he needs to drone find Nico instead of just looking for his GPS to know where he is, which is also how they find him anyway. In that scene, they use his GPS to help the drone find him. But I'm like, if you know where his GPS is, then you fucking know where he is. Like, what are you doing? Why is that a thing? Yep. <laughs> Good point. Yep. I mean, that really is just the logic of this movie. I mean, this movie can't keep up with its own rules. It can't keep up with the damn thing. Like, there is just no thought at any point in the process when they made this movie. And it's 100% obvious. It's just never in doubt that they had no fucking clue what was going on in this movie. Anyway, you guys got any more thoughts about this? Nope. Man, I wish I had a physical copy that i could earn that's it that's all i got that make more sense in this movie justin <laughs> on that note thank you guys for listening to this episode of the cinema slayers podcast check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com facebook where we're cinema slayers podcast twitter and instagram where we're cinema underscore slayers big shout out to plug migo for our theme song and mundo ochoa for our artwork and everything associated like that um give us five stars if you want, leave us a rating and review. I understand that you might not want to if you actually watch this movie on Hulu like we did for this episode. I get it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to give us five stars after having to do that either. But just don't give us a one star in, in, in haste. Wait till we do an episode you like better on a better movie and then give us five stars. Um, Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell everybody you know, especially your mothers. Don't tell your mothers about this movie, though. I don't even think the people in this movie told their mothers about this movie. It's just a bad <laughs> decision. And just remember, according to Justin, This movie sucks balls. (laughs) Recommendation? God, this movie sucks so bad.
so bad. So bad. Uh, get up. Oh, with the right. down with the sickness. You got to get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. You gotta get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. COVID 23 has taken over me. I mean, this shit was nice. so bad. I don't even know what fucking buttons I'm hitting anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And that's staying in. I'm not I'm not gonna fix that fuck up. It's staying in one hundred percent. Fuck this movie.